Hello everyone, welcome to The Cross in Culture, a podcast that is all about evangelism, discipleship, and leadership in intercultural contexts. This podcast is brought to you by the Atlantic District Multicultural Ministries based in New Brunswick, Canada. In this month's episode, I'm so excited to share with you an interview that was shared with me by my professor at Urshan Graduate School of Theology, Dr. Jeremy Painter. He did an interview with Bishop Cornwall of First Pentecostal Church in Kansas, and they talked about the importance of home Bible studies in building a church and giving a new definition of what revival really is. Without any further delay, here's Dr. Jeremy Painter and Bishop Cornwall. I'm with Brother Morel Cornwell. He's the District Superintendent of the State of Kansas, and he pastors one of the greatest churches in Pentecost. I've been with him for about the last week, and I have been um, in awe for the last week over what I've seen here at this church in Wichita, Kansas. And I thought it would be good to take a little while for our class and uh, uh, have an interview with Brother Cornwell and talk about uh, his emphasis on soul winning. It is the absolute priority of the church that he pastors from the top man right on down through every saint. And uh, I want to ask him a series of questions, and um, I pray you'll benefit from this, and I believe you will. Uh, Brother Cornwell. Yes, sir. Could you tell me how long, just tell the class how long you have been a pastor and... um, uh, how long you've been in Wichita, and tell us the current state of things here in, in the church that you've pastored. Uh, I have uh, pastored the church here in Wichita for 43 years. Uh, I pastored uh, prior to Wichita in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Prior to that, I was an evangelist. Uh, and Prior to being an evangelist, I was a, a college student at Louisiana Tech University. And that's where I started my soul winning career. So, uh, 43 years in Wichita. 43. 43. We right. came here uh, in August of 1977, and we had just a handful over 20 people. And so. Okay. And the, the current state of? Uh, we have probably one of the biggest revivals around the country right now uh, during this time, even during this time of COVID, the last 12 or 13 months, uh, our church has grown probably 25% or more in the last, in the last year. Uh, just a, an explosive outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Uh, we are getting ready to build uh, uh, again. Uh, we're expanding our auditorium. Uh, we're constantly adding uh, new people to our staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, uh, there are six full-time pastors on staff. Uh, we have 17 uh, employees currently, and uh, everybody's involved in some shape, form, or fashion with soul winning. Uh, we, we, we have a large bus ministry also, and of course we have not been able to operate our buses for the last 12 months. And uh, so every Saturday, uh, we make bags with uh, food and Sunday school lessons and 
uh, snack for the kids. And we, we still, every Saturday morning, we go to 1,500 homes with these bags, and we stay in close contact with all of our bus kids. And thank God we officially opened our bus ministry back up in May. Praise God for that. And how many buses are out there operating? Or uh, we, we operate uh, right now. We operate nineteen vehicles. We're down. We, we're operating twenty-five uh, buses. Okay. But we're down to about nineteen right now. Okay. And we bring in from uh, seven hundred to nine hundred children every Sunday. Well, children and adults on buses every Sunday uh, when we're up and running, mm. and uh, that uh, that's something that. Is a part of our life. Uh, my grandfather uh, pastored in the 20s, 1920s, and he was the first preacher in the country to run buses for church. And he built churches from the bus ministry mm. in the 1920s and 30s. So uh, uh, it's kind of a uh, part of my genetic makeup. Yes. Uh, and then, of course, our Bible study ministry is our really strong suit. Uh, we win a lot of people through our home Bible study program. And uh, it's probably the centerpiece of everything that we do. Bus ministry is uh, futile unless you have a good Bible study program. If you have a good Bible study program, uh, you can go in and follow up what the bus captains do with getting Bible studies and teaching individual families uh, in their home. Uh, and then if you have a visitation program, uh, follow-up visitation, uh, if you've got a good Bible study program, uh, you can win people to God on a permanent basis that becomes part of your church. Okay. So uh, tell me about the, the importance of, you made a note of being in people's home. Oh, uh, let, let me preface that by saying, uh, when I came to Wichita, and I, and the only outreach we could do was home Bible study. Mm-hmm. We didn't have money for tracks or anything, but I had a Bible study chart. So I started teaching Bible studies when I came to Wichita. I, was, I taught Bible studies in Lake Charles. I taught Bible studies when I was an evangelist. So uh, I left a thriving, growing church in Lake Charles to take Wichita that had gone through three splits in a six-month period of time. I tell people, we only the Guinness's Book of World Records for having the most splits in six months. Uh, the church was uh, depressed, down, no money, uh, in debt. Uh, they really thought that the church was going to go bankrupt. They had wrote Ichabod on our door. And th- they really thought the Wichita church was going to go under. But they did not know who they elected as pastor. They did not know me. Uh, I came here. Uh, I didn't know anybody here, and but they elect how they did. I don't know that, but they elected me pastor, and I started teaching Bible studies. Uh, we started winning people to God almost immediately, and the district took note that we they thought we were going to go under, but yet we were thriving, and they wanted to know what I was doing. So I I told them about the home Bible study program. I met with the district officials. I met with the leading people in Kansas. And I explained my Bible study program. And here's the response that I got when I presented home Bible study in its truest form, 12 weeks Bible study. Most of my Bible studies went longer than that. 
they said uh, to me, well, that we don't think you can build a church with home Bible study, that it, it's too slow. It takes too long. Hmm. Uh, and, and our district and, and the main movers and shakers in our district, they rejected the Bible study. They said, and I quote, we're, we're just going to have revival. We're going to build our church through preaching and old-fashioned apostolic revival. And I walked out of there rejected and depressed because I failed to convince them that Bible studies will build a church. And the truth of the matter is those that rejected the Bible study uh, over the last 43 years, their churches are smaller after 43 years than it was smaller today than it was 43 years ago because they're still trying to have that mystical revival. Everybody wants this mystical revival. Mm-hmm. And there's no such thing as a mystical revival. Revival comes through obeying the gospel. That's go into all the world and teach the gospel mm-hmm. to every creature. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so uh, when, when I failed to convince them, I just kept on teaching Bible studies. And when I, when I would teach a Bible study, uh, I, I thought one or two Bible studies was the limit. But the more I got involved in, in trying to build a church with Bible studies, Bible studies became the center of my life. Somebody asked me how I uh, put so many Bible studies into my schedule. And I tell them this, Bible studies is my schedule. Mm-hmm. I put everything else into my schedule. Mm-hmm. And so I, I started teaching 15 uh, Bible studies a week. And then uh, I, I stumbled on this idea of winning people in their home, and if that home was hospitable, then I would start forming a group out of each one of these Bible studies. And, uh, and so I, when I would win a family, I'd let them bring in one more family, and I'd reteach the Bible study. And then I, I would win that family, and then I'd have them bring in one more family, and one more family, and one more family. And so I went from teaching 15 Bible studies a week to having 15 different groups. And I had one Bible study with 69 adults in it. I had one Bible study with 55 adults in it. I had another Bible study with 37 in it. I had another Bible study with 12 families in it. And and every Bible study, I literally developed into a group. And when I say a group, I didn't go find a group and start teaching a group of Bible study. You got to build that group uh, with one family at a time and when you get that family one, then you bring in one more center family. Uh, when you bring in a, a lot of centers at one time from all their uh, uh, phases of life, their uh, areas of life, uh, when you walk out, they're going to defeat everything that you've done when you're gone. But if you build that Bible study one family at a time and never have more than one unconverted family in that Bible study at a time, you can have tremendous success. Uh, I, I was teaching 12 African-American families, but I started off with one lady, by the way, who is uh, now uh, been inducted into the NAACP Hall of Fame uh, because she was one of the Dockham Four that went into the drugstore, uh, 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 Dockham drugstore, sat at the lunch counter in 1960 and refused to go around back. And she became a, the face of the civil rights movement in the early 60s. And I want her to God. 
And then I asked her if she knew anybody else. She brought another family. We won them. Uh, they brought another family. We won them. And first thing you know, I had 12 African-American families in this one Bible study. And the uh, uh, teaching Bible studies taught me that we can do a lot more for God than we think we can. Mm-hmm. If we're willing to lay aside everything else and focus on what, what, what did the apostle say? We will give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Mm-hmm. We're going to turn everything else over to somebody else. We are going to pray and we're going to have the ministry of the word. Mm-hmm. And, and today uh, with, our, with our Bible colleges, with our big conferences, uh, our special meetings, and we put the name brand preachers on the platform. They preach these super sermons. These young preachers uh, sit there. God, I feel the Holy Spirit here. Uh, they, they see these preachers in all their grandeur and their popularity, and they think, that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And so we're raising up preachers that are, are wanting a pulpit ministry, uh, a ministry in, in the limelight, but we have very few preachers that want to get down in the, the, the nitty-gritty into people's homes where the action is. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I spend more time with sinners than I do saints. But that's how you build a church. You've got to be out there where the sinner is if you're going to build a church for Jesus Christ. And, and I, I guess this is going to be broadcast in, in a classroom. Preacher, let me let me tell you something. You 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 can have whatever size church you want, but you've got to be willing to say, "Okay, Lord, how do I build a church? Do I build it by quote unquote preaching better sermons? Do I do it by wearing fancier clothes? Do I do it by having a prettier building? You do it by rolling your sleeves up, teaching people Bible." that you would never think would be one to God and win one family at a time. And that's how you grow a church, not by quote unquote super revivals that may happen once every five or 10 years, but, but have 52 revivals a year. When we, we teach Bible studies, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And then Sunday we have revival. And so consequently, we have 52 revivals a year. Mm-hmm. But I promise you, ever service uh, with all of our soul winners in our church now, they're going to have a family there that they're teaching Bible study to, and it gives your preaching much more purpose than it did before. Mm-hmm. So you shared with me a little bit of, of your uh, uh, emphasis on or your redefinition of revival. Yes. Um, the classic revival is uh, call in an outside speaker uh, who will start a prayer line uh, and get, you know, uh, high volume in the pulpit. Uh-huh. Um, or perhaps uh, uh, get a bunch of people in a van and come and baptize them before they've actually been taught a Bible study. And uh, uh, that's, that's kind of a classic. Um, folks come into the church through a weekend or a week of 
of high-powered preaching. Evangelistic efforts. So that's that's kind of a classic, classic idea. Yep. But but you shared with me, I, th- I think it was actually months ago, uh, that your concept of revival, uh, you just said there are 52 a year, but you also thought of uh, having people come like three times a year and having like a, a Bible seminar. Uh, so there's teaching. Yeah. Like you've been with us all week. And... Monday through Friday, we have set at kitchen or at tables and chairs with our notepads and and we have no music, we have taken no offering. Uh, we pray, turn you loose, and you have taught for an hour and a half each evening. Uh, Bible. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no substitute for the Word of God. Uh, these weeks of what we call Bible college. And, I, and I'm not competing with Urshan College. That college has a different connotation to sure, me. Sure, sure. It's, it's a week of intense Bible training mm-hmm. to build character and productivity within your people. Mm-hmm. And th- these weeks, this week, will have such a lasting impact on our church. Uh, it's refreshing. Uh, it's nothing but word. Uh, it gives people faith. Uh, and th- these kind of meetings are revelatory that the same thing can happen in a home. Right. When I sit at the kitchen table, I'm doing a miniature Bible college. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about classic revivals, uh, an evangelist for a week. Uh, all, you go out and knock a few doors, have some excitement. The evangelist leaves. Uh, we go right back to where we were before we started. Uh, we, we, we call people evangelists that travel. They're not, they're not really evangelists. They are traveling ministries. And we need traveling ministries. I love traveling ministries. We have a lot of preachers preach for us. But the, the, the true definition of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints or perfecting of the saints our home Bible study teachers are true Bible evangelists. I, I have one pastor on our staff. Uh, he's been on our staff full-time for 38 years. He met the district board five times to get local license. The fifth time, they rejected him and said, don't come back. We're not going to license you. Every qualification that you can think of. What was the reason? The reason was he couldn't preach. Okay. He couldn't, yeah, praise God. He couldn't, he couldn't do that classic preaching thing. He didn't have that preaching voice. He was methodical, Bible teacher, and uh, they told him to go teach Sunday school. You're not a preacher. Right. Uh, no, nobody in Kansas wanted to come preach for them. Uh, but yet, that same man has been full-time on my staff for 38 years. When I put him on my staff, uh, he was a machinist at Boeing building airplanes, got laid off for 26 weeks. And he said, well, he said, I think I'll just buy me a chart and start teaching some Bible studies. He started teaching Bible studies. 26 weeks later, Boeing called him back, and I said, you're never going to go back to Boeing. I said, I can't afford you to go back to Boeing. He had won 62 people in 26 weeks with that Bible study chart. 
And there's no way I was going to let him go back building airplanes. I wanted him to be a fisher of men. And and this past uh, month or so, he has taught his 38,000, 38,000 Bible lessons and people. He has averaged 17, excuse me, 18 Bible studies a week for 38 years. That's, that's who he is. He is an evangelist. Doesn't have a motor home, doesn't have a mobile home, doesn't have a, a four-wheeler truck pulling it down a highway. Uh, it never, I've never heard him really raise his voice, but yet he is the most prolific soul winner in America. Hmm. And, and, and after I became a part of the district board, we brought him back before the board, and the, the board agreed he needs to be ordained. But uh, uh, all of the classic quote-unquote preachers on that board that reject him, they're all gone. And we, we've got to recognize the fivefold ministry, and we need we need resident evangelists in our church. And pastor, uh, there's no such thing as a soul winning church ever becoming available. You, you, if you're not a soul winner, and you go to a church, it's because that church just got rid of the pastor before because he wasn't a soul winner. The church is not a soul winner. Somebody's got to change the the structure of that church and start soul winning. And, and and believe me, uh, the young preachers uh, at Urshan College and, and even the graduate students that are pastoring churches, listen, there is a revival already here. It's for our taking, but it's going to take hard work. But it's a very rewarding work. Uh, for the last 53 years, I have majored on soul winning, not on preaching. I'm not a good preacher, but I'm a good soul winner. And, and, and that's what the church is all about, is you got to have your resident evangelist. And, and when you find somebody that can win souls, don't put a necktie and a coat on them and send them down uh, the road. Incorporate them into your church. Learn to put on people full-time that are soul winners and, and let them do that job. Can you, can you explain the, 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 the priority that you place on soul winning and Bible studies with respect to other uh, offices in the church? Uh, that's a, that's a, a good question, a good comment. Uh, soul winning is our top priority. Uh, a lot of churches, they have, have full-time music directors. They have full-time youth pastors. They have full-time assistant pastors. They have administrative assistants. and I guess all those things may be necessary. But our emphasis is if there's a man that has the ability to take the Bible and a Bible study chart and go into people's homes and teach Bible study and win people to God, that's the kind of people that we prioritize. We'll put them on full time. Uh, Three years ago, we added a, a man to our staff that was rejected by other churches. But I saw something in him. He was aggressive. He was intelligent. He was uh, fluent, good, good speaking skills, not a preacher. And I said, look, I said, uh, I, want you to, I want you to join our staff. I said, I, I, will, I will pay you one year full time to learn how to win soul. And uh, so he took me up on the offer. And I think that this, 
I could be a little bit wrong here. In the last 12 months, he has won 48 people to God that they would have never been won because he didn't show the classic view of being a preacher. Uh, he was rough around the edges, but he had an ability to win people to himself and to God. And I took a chance on it. Uh, it's so important that you have a mind for soul winning. You got to prioritize that. So, so, uh, when when we're when we're talking about staffing the church, uh-huh. a, a lot of a lot of ministers are looking for the music leader. Yes, um, or maybe youth pastor. Uh-huh. Uh, these are sort of the like the two, you know, go tos. Uh, besides having somebody as a secretary, mm-hmm. um, it sounds to me like um, if you had your choice, you're going to hire. You're going to hire people who are soul winners, and that's the first priority. That's first priority. And the music can take care of itself a little bit more, the youth ministries, all of that. But you get what you, you don't just get what you preach, but what you pay for. Exactly. Uh, I, I am not against full-time music people. I'm not against full-time youth pastors. I'm not against full-time uh, assistant pastors. Uh, sometimes. Uh, I have people that do things I don't want to do because I don't have time so I can engage in soul winning. So, uh, we all need assistance, okay? But if we got X number of dollars, I am going to put on my staff soul winners. Now, all of our pastors, their number one responsibility is soul winning, home Bible study. Uh, we ask all of our full-time people, to teach a minimum, minimum, I said minimum, of 15 Bible studies a week, okay? And and then each one of our pastors have uh, a, another major responsibility. Uh, one of our pastors, he teaches 22 Bible studies a week, but uh, his, his secondary calling is uh, he works on our Sunday school production, uh, building lessons on video, to broadcast, and and he does he does music on the side, and he sings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we don't we don't ask him to spend ten hours a week on his music or uh, fifteen hours a week on his Sunday school. But we do ask him to spend fifteen Bible studies a week, or he does twenty two. Uh, another one of our pastors is full time. He teaches eighteen Bible studies a week. He ha- his responsibility is. Uh, He's our outreach director, and he organizes our follow-up visitations uh, and does uh, uh, all of our follow-up visitations. Uh, we have another uh, pastor's full-time. Uh, his secondary responsibility is he works with our young people. But his primary responsibility is soul winning. And if you're going to build a church of perpetual revival, you've got to have soul winners on your staff. Hmm. And I don't ask anybody to do what I am not doing. That I think that's the key. And uh, we have a, a lot of young preachers coming up in our church, and we won't even acknowledge their call to preach unless they are involved in soul winning. I have a 
two-year, 20-year-old. I think he's 20. Uh, just, just starting to preach. And he's in college. And, but he has a bus route with 60 kids on it. And then he either teaches or participates in 15 Bible studies a week. So as a young preacher, I don't have him learning how to develop his singing. I don't have him learning how to develop all the other peripheral skills. But if he's going to be successful in life someday, he's got to learn soul winning. And, and, and he's already won a, a, a good number of people since January of this year. He's already won uh, people to pay a salary. Hmm. So two, two things. Um, we have, we, we, we've been discussing what soul winning, um, what soul winning, uh, an emphasis on Bible study and soul winning achieves. Um, now, I'm also wondering about how it changes your own life. Oh, my Lord. Um, it's a, 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 what I'm hearing here is, and, and I'm teaching a spiritual disciplines class, what I'm hearing here is a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual orientation. And um, uh, with this constant focus outward rather than inward, uh, sitting down with people, going into their homes and knowing how they live. Oh my goodness! So you you're sharing in their brokenness. You get to see firsthand uh, uh, what people face every day. Every day. And then, can you talk about how this ministers to one's own? Uh, the teacher benefits from this as well. When that that this is an awesome subject by itself. Soul winning will change your life. When you sit down and you start in Genesis and you start teaching the Bible, and I teach only Bible, systematic, chronological Bible. I don't try to go straight to Acts 2.38. Uh, I start in Genesis where God starts. I start working through the stories, the creation, the fall, Cain and Abel, Noah and the flood, Nimrod in the tower, call of Abraham, Isaac, uh, the life of Jacob, Joseph. Uh, and, and you sit at the kitchen table and you watch you watch people's lives transform before your very eyes. Uh, it, it, it makes you more compassionate. It, it makes you more of a Christian. Uh, I, 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 when I came to God, I was rough around the edges. It gives you an empathy for people. Uh, it makes you want people that you teach to live better lives. It, 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 my wife and my children have all participated in my Bible study. And, and my soul winning ministry. Consequently, I have four children, and, and all we've done all of our life is serve people. So when my kids got grown, two of them are in full-time ministries, and two of them are first responders. One's a firefighter, other's a sheriff. Uh, so I, I, and, and I have eight grandchildren, 
And uh, they're all involved in soul winning, in the church, in serving people. And, and w- w- it's impossible to teach this book because you believe it. And, and this is a confession. I don't spend 25 hours a week building a sermon. I live my sermon every day of the week. When I teach Bible studies every week, every day, and, and you're constantly in the Bible, revelations come, sermons come, and you preach your experiences with God. It, 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 it just changes everything about you. And, and I, I, I'm especially burdened for all these young preachers that I see them wanting to get it, that pulpit ministry. And I think one day they're going to fade by the wayside and they're going to be too old to turn around and go back and start over. Uh, we all know Jeff Arnold. I think Jeff Arnold is one of the most popular preachers among us. He and I started preaching at the same time. And in San Diego, California, uh, at a Sunday school convention, I made a vow to God. I went to the altar in 1973, went to the front of that convention center, and I bowed my heart and I said, Lord, I will become the greatest soul winner in America. And I said, I said, I will change the way evangelism is done in the United Pentecostal Church if I have to do it by myself. And I, I took up the Bible chart and I went far beyond what was ordinary or expected. Uh, I've, I've taught 35, 40 Bible study seminars a year around the country. And I made a vow to be the greatest soldier. Jeff Arnold came to me and he said, Brother Cole, I heard you give that testimony. And he said, would you believe that also in, I think, 1973, I made a vow. And he said, I vowed that I would become the greatest preacher in Pentecost. And I said, Brother Arnold, as far as our church is concerned, we don't, our young people, our adults, we think you are the greatest preacher in Pentecost. And tears started rolling down his face. He said, he said, Brother Cohen, he said, I would to God that I would have made your vow instead of mine. He said, I have become a, a popular preacher, conferences and all this, but he said, I'm unfulfilled. He said, if I would have just thought about it, I would have made the same vow to become a great soul winner. Soul winning, preacher, listen to me. Don't seek fame and fortune and popularity. Seek to become a servant of Jesus Christ. If I don't have any other advice, please, for your sake, not not my sake, not even for the United Pentecostal Church's sake, not even for Christ's sake, but for your sake, become a servant. Jesus Christ. I don't want to say it any better than that. That's well said. I I do have one last question, and it's along these same lines. Um, uh, you talked about your your children uh, living life uh, lives of servitude uh, to uh, to people, uh, service to people, and. Um, and I've seen that in, 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 the, in the children that I've met and in your grandchildren. Yeah. 
um, can you can you just say a word or two to fathers and mothers uh, about raising their kids? I, I sure can. I, I played with parents. We all, my father, his one ambition was that I was to become an engineer. That was my father's ambition for me. I finished college and got my degree in engineering for his sake, not for my sake. I wanted to honor my father. But I see parents wanting to relive their life through their children. They want to become engineers and professional people and, and, and all that. But if you'll teach your children to give, teach your children to be givers. I cannot overemphasize that. Teach your kids to be sacrificial. It doesn't matter how much money they make, what kind of position they have in life. Teach them to be givers. And teach them to become servants of Christ, servants to the church, servants to the ministry. If they will learn this life of service, they will come into contact with great authority. It's important to understand that true authority does not come through usurping authority. It comes through service. When you serve people, you receive a greater anointing of and our children, uh, we have 31 young people in our church right now called to preach. Because everybody wants to be a soul winner. Everybody wants to serve people, and they do serve people. The service does not prevent them from getting a college education. It does not pre prevent them from becoming very successful in life. But when they become a servant, it enhances whatever life's path they take. And our children are the most important thing that we have, bar none. Amen. Indeed. All right. Well, thank you for listening in, and I pray that you would um, you would apply these uh, these words of wisdom and um, reprioritize if if you if you have noticed that uh, perhaps your your ministry has had other goals. Uh, perhaps during this time, they've become you've become more aware of what those goals are and where they need to shift. 